Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Germany in Focus, a news podcast made possible by members of The Local. Today, we're talking about a mini heat wave coming up. And after a 50-hour rail strike was called off at the last minute, we'll talk about what's happening with transport strikes across Germany. The city-state of Bremen has just held a state election, so we'll talk about what the results mean and why we should all visit the city. People in Germany, especially large cities, are struggling with a lack of affordable housing. We'll talk about how bad the situation really is, especially in Berlin, and hear from some experts as well as share some tips on how to get a flat. Finally, we'll talk about the German words that have funny literal translations. I'm Rachel Loxton and I'm in Berlin today with journalists Rachel Stern and Aaron Burnett. Hello, lovely people. How are you doing? Hello. Hi, I'm doing great. It's good to see you again. Welcome back to the booth. So we have to mention after our Eurovision-themed episode last week that sadly, Germany came last. The Hamburg band Lord of the Lost came bottom of the leaderboard on Saturday's final with their song Blood and Glitter. An absolute travesty. That was a great song. Aaron, what can we conclude? Rach, I hate to break something to you. No, scratch that. I, I don't actually hate breaking this to you. I need to inform you that that last place result was pretty appropriate. Uh, especially, no. oh yes, it was. Especially given the incredible caliber of songs that, that other countries sent this year. Few sort of more seasoned Eurovision fans, <laughs> like myself included, for example, uh, were particularly surprised by Germany's last place uh, result. And after a decade of last place or second to last place finishes by Germany, very disappointing. Uh, the national selection process just needs to be better. Uh, what was a bit more surprising, though, was that uh, the UK's May Muller finished second to last. That was a lot more unexpected uh, by both fans and bookmakers as well. The German embassy in London, though, took that opportunity for a little light-hearted ribbing, uh, they took a screenshot of the UK and Germany's place right next to each other on the leaderboard at the bottom of the scoreboard, and they tweeted, hashtag staying connected. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, yeah, yeah they, they said they were holding up Europe there. Yeah, exactly. Germany and the UK right yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, and you thought Germans didn't have a sense of humor. There you go. Germans do, don't they? Did you watch it, Rachel? I have to admit that I did. There's I no shame in admitting <laughs> that you watched it. Yeah, well, even worse, I watched it alone late at night. I think I need to go to a Eurovision party one of these days because then I could truly get into the spirit of it. Yes, next year. Great. So we're recording this on Wednesday, May 17th. There is actually a Germany-wide public holiday on the 18th. But by the time this episode goes out, it will be done 
I'm sure there will be a lot of hungover people on Friday because Ascension Day is when traditionally men in Germany go out for a walk in the nature and get drunk, right? I mean, yeah, it's probably a little more about the drinking than the walk in the nature. But they, <laughs> rage, but they seem to be walking around with little kind of trailers with drink a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah. Ascension Day is also Father's Day in Germany, actually. Um, and in Eastern Germany in particular, largely um, I've had it uh, heard explained to me because Eastern Germany was more atheist <laughs> back during the, the, the DDR. It's often called Menatag or Men's Day, um, very specifically. And it's traditionally a day for the boys to do some drinking and do something nice for themselves. And that can, of course, include, as you say, walking with these, you know, weird trail things. I don't know why we can't just like, you know, do a picnic with the beer and, yeah. and wine as well. And, and invite women. I, yeah. Well, I mean, some do. A friend of mine's husband typically heads up with friends up to the North Sea, uh, the Aussee, for some drinking, uh, beach and fun. Sometimes she does actually go with them. Sometimes they do actually invite their girlfriends and wives and sometimes they don't. So it seems to... Uh, depend on uh, depend on the year, but uh, yeah. To deal with those Friday hangovers that you were mentioning, um, a lot of people actually take a Brückentag. A lot of people will be on one of those the day that this episode comes out, and that is on the Friday. It's a bridge day, Brückentag. Uh, this refers to the German practice of taking the Friday off right after you have a public holiday that falls on a Thursday. So you can make a four-day weekend for yourself by only taking one holiday day. In Austria, they call these Fenstertagen or window days, but it does mean the same thing. Nice. And there is also another nationwide public holiday coming up on May 29th. And there's some good weather coming, I believe. That's right. So this week, people in Germany can safely bring their sandals or shorts out of the closet as temperatures are going to be climbing over the weekend. With, with socks, right? With socks in Germany. That's yeah. right. And Birkenstocks, Birkenstocks especially. and socks. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And on Sunday, it's set to be a toasty 27 degrees Celsius here in Berlin, but temperatures of up to 30 degrees are expected in other parts of the country. But don't worry if you don't quite make it to the beach this weekend because the heat spell is set to stretch into June. And also, this being Germany, every time it gets particularly warm, you can expect sudden thunder and monsoon-like rain. So on Monday, it's going to be a little bit wet outside as well. But at least, but swimsuit season begins Sunday. That's right. As long as you, you know, change back into warm stuff on Monday. <laughs> Have you got your Speedos ready, Aaron? Oh, yeah, they're ready. <laughs> they are all ready for a good beach day. Good to know. And, of course, it's it's Fingston on May 29th, right? It's Pentecost. That's the holiday. Mm-hmm. And so Germany is a good place to be in June. What do we think, guys? I agree. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Um, You can start expecting big crowds at both the Freibäder, which are these outdoor swimming pools, and the Strandbäder, which are swimming areas that typically belong to a lake. Um, And you also see a lot of people flocking to the different waterways, be it lakes, the North or Baltic Sea, uh, several rivers, um, either going there to swim or hang out for barbecues. And for me, one of the signs that 
summer has arrived or all of the cues that you see forming for ice cream and people either line up for a kuge, like a scoop of ice cream. Um, and there are also several very uniquely German creations like the so-called spaghetti ice. Oh, yes. Spaghetti ice. I think I wrote a whole article on spaghetti ice. I remember it inspired me to try it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it's just ice cream in the shape of spaghetti with tomato sauce and uh, not tomato sauce, <laughs> strawberry sauce. I would hope not. <laughs> strawberry sauce that okay. looks like tomato sauce. <laughs> it's so realistic. We think it's tomato sauce. <laughs> so realistic. Great. Thank you both. Let's move on now and talk about strikes because there was meant to be a 50-hour-long rail strike happening this week, which would have paralyzed long-distance and regional train transport, but it was averted at the last moment. Rachel, what happened? Was there a deal reached? No, there wasn't. Deutsche Bahn and AVG, which is the largest rail union in Germany, basically decided at the 11th hour, at the very last minute, that they were going to call off this strike, but they did not reach any sort of concrete deal as far as what their minimum wage should be. But today, as we record our podcast, they're actually in negotiations with each other, and they're also planning on negotiating next week. So the results of those negotiations will tell if there are going to be more strikes around Germany. And Eiffelge has said that if they don't reach any sort of set agreement that they could very well strike, and these strikes could be even longer lasting weeks at a time. Okay, so there is a possibility then of more disruption affecting long distance and regional trains. That's right, that's right. Every train belonging to Deutsche Bahn, whether it's the ICE or regional transport, including the S-Bahn in most cities, could go on longer strikes. But we have to wait until the end of the negotiations to find out. That's right. So by the end of May, we should know whether or not there will be more strikes. Great. And what about local transport strikes? Are we going to still see disruption there? Because there's been a few things happening this week. That's right. So to clarify, there are 230,000 rail workers who belong to AVG and 180,000 of them work for Deutsche Bahn. So all of these workers have said they're not going to strike while the negotiations have taken place. But that means that there are 50,000 rail workers belonging to local, smaller, private companies who are indeed striking. Um, a lot of those have already gone ahead with their plan to strike on Monday and Tuesday. So you saw a lot of regional disruption, particularly in Bavaria and Thuringia and Brandenburg. And these rail companies could very well go ahead with other strikes while the negotiations are taking place. So that's something to tune into if you're a commuter or just planning on traveling over the holiday weekend and are wondering if there is a strike taking place. Okay, so the, the union members may strike and that would affect these areas. 
That's right. That's right. So all states have these local companies and they could very easily strike. And if the negotiations at the end of May don't yield a result, then basically all the 230,000 rail workers around Germany could decide to strike. So it's very much a story in progress. um, And we'll just keep our fingers crossed that things go well in the negotiations. Definitely. Thanks for that, Rachel. And we will keep updates on the the locals' website on those stories. Let's have a chat about who or what else has been in the news this week. And we're focusing on Bremen in northern Germany today. So the city-state held elections on Sunday and the Green Party had a bit of a disappointing night. Aaron, what's happening over in Bremen? So a quick primer for everybody about Bremen before we start to begin. There are three city-states in Germany, Berlin, Hamburg, and Bremen. And Bremen also includes Bremerhaven, which is a smaller uh, harbor city. That port city has about 115,000 people to Bremen's 550,000 or so. Uh, And this last Sunday, they had their state election, which saw the Social Democrats keep the city hall with an increased share of the vote, about 29%. So Bremen has traditionally been an SPD stronghold. It remains that way. Uh, The Christian Democrats uh, are disappointed, even though they came second with about 26% of the vote. The Greens had big losses and went down to 11% from the 17% that they got in the last election in 2019. The far-right AfD now had two lists in Bremen, and they were thus barred from standing this time. But instead, there was the so-called Burger in Wut party, or Citizens in Rage, or Citizens in Eger, Citizens in Rage. And they got 7.5% of the vote, including, though, 22% specifically in Bremerhaven. So Mm. 7.5% overall, but 22% in uh, the little port city of of, of yeah. Bremerhaven. So um, they crossed the threshold to get into the state government. Yes, yes, they have. That threshold is normally uh, 5%. So they have indeed, they are entering uh, Bremen state parliament. Uh, these guys benefited a lot from AfD voter migration and have a lot of the same focus policy-wise. They want to axe the Bremen environmental zone, much like we have one in Berlin in the center of the city as well. Uh, They want to deport foreign criminals faster, or so they say. They want to institute school uniforms in Bremen as well. And they reject what they see as gender language in public administration. Oh, dear. So, yeah. So it's a... a, They're not very happy. There's a lot of rage. Yes. Well, as the name suggests. Exactly. Yeah. And so what does this result mean for the federal government then? Is it significant because we have the SPD and the Greens and the the FDP in the federal government? What does it mean for them? Well, among other things, Bremen's SPD took issue with some green plans federally to change out old school heating systems in German homes this decade already, something that the SPD argued poor households simply couldn't afford to do that quickly. So it does speak to a little bit of strife within the coalition federally as well on some of these kind of key questions. Federally, I'm not sure how significant this result is for the SPD. Uh, one big in Bremen 
but it lost a lot of votes in Berlin in February. So it kind of comes out in the wash. The Greens, though, they lost votes in both of those elections. So they have some more questions to ask, as well as the FTP. The SPD in Bremen could keep the city's R2G, or Red, Red, Green, Left Coalition, the SPD Greens and Left, or it could do what the Berlin SPD just did and jump out of that left-wing coalition and into talks with the center-right CDU. If they choose to do that, you might start seeing some clues that maybe the SPD is, is going a little bit more of a centrist course rather than a left one. Um, we also have to see if a new far-right party, other than the AfD, these rage-filled citizens, um, will have more success than Justin Bremen, or whether this is just a one-off this time. Really interesting. And of course, we have a couple more state elections coming up in Germany this year. We've got Bavaria, right? Yeah, we have Bavaria and we have Hesse, where Frankfurt is. and But those are going to be in fall. Uh, so... Uh, it'll be after summer before we're looking at those. But those are big states. So a lot of people will be watching those. Something to look forward to. And guys, let's stick with Bremen for a moment. What's this city all about? Do you think it's worth visiting? Oh, absolutely, Rach. So as Erin mentioned, it's a pretty small or smallish city of about 600,000 residents. And going back on a historical note, anybody who's read the Brothers Grimm has probably heard of the story, The Town Musicians of Bremen. And that was published way back in 1819. And it centers on these four aging farm animals who are mistreated by their owners. And they decide to run away to Bremen to become musicians. And now there's a famous statue devoted to them in Bremen's beautiful center square or mocked plots. And there you can also visit the charming Rathaus or town hall, which contains the Ratskeller, which is basically a, a wine cellar with a collection of wine that dates back over 600 years. And it also contains the oldest bottle in all of Germany. So that's an attraction for Aaron, yeah, I'm sure. But I don't think they're going to give me one. This is the problem. <laughs> this is my problem. You could try. You could just ask. I'd probably be arrested for doing another kind of heist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you wanted to leave the Markplatz and wander around the city, I would also recommend the historic Schnorr district where you have all of these winding, charming streets and cafes where you can sit down for a cup of tea. This sounds absolutely lovely. I want to visit. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, I've actually visited most of Germany's federal states, uh, so... 11 out of the 16, but um, Bremen is still on my bucket list as well, actually. It's one of the five I haven't done. I actually want to visit the German Museum of Emigration, and that's actually in Bremerhaven, because my grandparents, of course, were German emigres. They sailed out in the 1950s to Canada on a ship called the Arosa Sun, and I'm told this museum should have more information about this particular ship and even more about these transatlantic journeys that many German emigres took. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Thank you so much for those updates, guys. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Let's move on and talk about housing in Germany now. So we're going to focus on renting today. To sum it up, it's a bit of a nightmare out there, isn't it? Rent prices have been shooting up across Germany, especially in Berlin. People are really struggling to get a contract for a place. We hear stories of people having to pay insane prices to rent. We hear of people getting exploited by landlords housing companies, and also by other tenants who are subletting. That happens too. Aaron, what's the overall picture of renting in Germany right now? Absolutely terrible. Renting or finding a place in many parts of Germany has been a big issue, uh, certainly since before I arrived here uh, in 2011. Anecdotally, though, this is the worst I've ever seen it. And we have an array of discouraging stats to back that up. First up, prices. Rents went up around the country by record amounts in the first quarter of this year by around 7.5%, according to Immo Scout. Compared to a year ago, they're up 12% for existing properties and 20% for new builds. The price to buy has gone up a little bit less. It's about 2.3% more expensive to buy a place in Germany now than it was a year ago. And where is the situation most tense for renting? So Munich is still far and away the most expensive city in Germany for both renters and buyers. But if we look at where prices are going up the fastest, both Berlin and Stuttgart are going through a particularly hard time. They saw an 8 and 9% increases in rents in the first quarter, so above the national average. Berlin in particular um, has had uh, a big, big jump uh, recently. Another survey found that since November 2022, the average asking price for a new rental contract in Berlin specifically went up 27% or so, so close to a third. It was in November 2022, the average price per square meter for rent was 9.86 euros in the capital. That went up to 12 and a half per square meter recently, so a huge uh, jump. Keep in mind that the national average is about eight euros per square meter. Yeah, really big jump. What are the root causes of all of this, do you think, Aaron? Well, one of the big reasons for this is we're just not seeing a lot of relief on the supply side. Quite simply, there's not enough new homes being built to meet demand. And that problem is getting worse. Uh, this week, we found out that March this year saw 30% fewer home building permits granted than in the year before. That is a drop that we have not seen in 16 years 
The federal government, in particular, is only managing about half its target of 400,000 new homes a year. Keep in mind that the labor ministry has said recently that we need about 400,000 skilled workers from abroad every single year to plug the country's labor shortage. So we're seeing a big demand for new skilled workers, but we're also seeing big demand for housing. And keep in mind that skilled workers have many other choices of places that they could go other than Germany. And they already face a huge challenge finding somewhere to live before they ever find their feet here. And that's uh, simply uh, because not enough is being built. And then there's, of course, people who are already here. How are governments responding to this? Well, Berlin, the city-state government, instituted a rent cap in 2020 that was later found to be unconstitutional. Uh, courts ruled that only the federal government had the authority to pass a rent cap like that. Uh, Berlin had no jurisdiction to do that. That was what they found. So that rent cap was overturned. And there are politicians, particularly in Berlin, who advocate a federal rent cap, so one that would apply nationally. But this hasn't been discussed in national politics in a big way so far, and many economists say it won't really do much to solve the problem anyway. It may provide some relief in the short term, but in the long term, many experts say there's just no way around the need to build more housing and to very simply increase the supply to meet the demand. That's why house building has become a bigger part of government manifestos recently, federally and particularly in Berlin with the new coalition between the SPD and the CDU, but no one is meeting their building goals so far, and we'll see if that improves. Let's now hear from Frankfurt-based Thomas Bayerle, who is a research expert on the German real estate market. I asked Thomas how bad the problem of rising rents is across Germany. Well, it's always a problem if you come you to a city and look for whatever you call it space, uh, new, which means when you commute or so when you move from, let's say, Frankfurt to Berlin. Frankfurt, you are in, you know the market a little bit, you have a price feeling, what's the level of that? And you come to Berlin, you talk to local ones, they get a heart attack by asking, well, how much do you want to afford? Say, what, maybe 20 euros? They get a heart attack because they came from a level of around 10, 10 euros. If you talk to other people who move there and say, well, four years ago it was 15, now it's a little bit more expensive. But if you talk to one coming from Hong Kong or London or wherever, say, Thomas, it's so cheap here. And this is the, the range of uh, activity you are in. So when you come new to a city in Germany, you, you have to, let's say, get a special feeling on the local markets. And uh, there is one market, as you already mentioned, this is Berlin. This is compared to the rest of the top five in Germany. So Munich, Hamburg, Frankfurt, Düsseldorf. Um, so Berlin is very, very cheap compared to the rest of them, uh, German, but also international markets. And I have a lot of, a lot of people from abroad who say, Thomas, there is something wrong with the contract. I say, what is wrong there? It's a, the number is wrong. And this is, again, where I always see they come from another price level and come to the capital of Germany and are totally astonished that it's so cheap. This is, again, where you see there is a huge mechanism on what is right or wrong and uh, how what is affordable housing for the local ones and what is a, a call of a second rent or whatever from the people who move there and say, wow, I have much more money in the pocket than they have the month coming from London to Berlin. That's really interesting, though, because Berlin has traditionally been much cheaper than other German cities, as you've mentioned, but it really is seeing rent skyrocket, especially this year, right? Well, especially not this year, but also before pandemic, it starts the last five to seven years. And of course, this is maybe the, the main explanation why also the activities from governmental or local authority side itself, let's bring some caps or rental breaks or whatever you call it. Again, coming from the evolution, um, the last 10 years, we see a huge 
urbanization effect, people come globally to Berlin, cool city, of course, and the demand rises, of course, uh, the prices on that. So the reaction, it's much more, let's say, educated than in Berlin, uh, than in Frankfurt or Hamburg, because um, the, sh- the the jump up or the rocket up was more heavily exposed in, in, in Berlin and not in Frankfurt and in Munich. It's not cheap there, but it's a steadily ongoing process uh, without volatility. While in Berlin, it's rocket up after the unification uh, with a stagnation of 10 years. And then uh, after Lehman, or let's say 11 and 12, then you can see a very, 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 very strong demand. And do you think that the governments, both federal and state levels, are doing enough to address these kind of issues going on? Well, uh, if you make some Im- Im- impacts on a on the on residential market, it's always the Bundesland case. So the government can give the stimulations or the big picture, but the local authorities are responsible for the local politics or countrywide. So Berlin, Brandenburg, Bavaria, Hesse, where I'm, I'm now. So this again, it's a, it's a, it's a regional responsibilities. And the, the instruments are quite different. Again, the Berlin case was for all of us the first big impact uh, on a massive rental break for all the counties within Berlin, which totally failed, by the way, because uh, overnight there were 40% of the whole, um, uh, would say, um, supply was taken away from the, all the platforms and everyone is sitting wait there. I personally believe, Thomas, that's a cool decision because now I get a super luxury apartment for six euro in the city center. Nuts, of course. So um, mm-hmm. after one year, it, uh, everybody expected that, okay, this had to be failed and by uh, government, uh, by Karlsruhe, the, the big legal uh, court say, okay, this is not really how it works. But meanwhile, we as investors and real estate people, we see that there are some rental breaks coming up slightly, going on more aggressively. In Munich, normal last 30 years, um, um, social impact activities, which is good, by the way, due to social, let's say, equalization on one hand, and the other hand, it stables the market in total. And this is again where the Berlin case, uh, well, fair enough to say, was that, that no, what's that going on? Um, nobody believed in that, but it was a try, of course, from maybe to change society in one one direction. Maybe, on the other hand, uh, no cranes, no activities, nothing. And so the the former party who make the decision, then they understand by a legal court, say no, it, it was not a good decision to do that. And now it's uh, let's say stuck in the middle, which means build on one hand, energetic requirement, of course, heavily, positively, but heavily, and on the other hand, uh, new construction where we all live. And this is again the. I wouldn't call it the sort of Damocles, but uh, this is again the the Gordian knot where we have to cut. So, because the demand is definitely there, huge uh, urbanization, especially also after pandemic, it's going on. And this is again where we strongly believe that um, whoever will be the we have a new mayor now, the only thing which is stimulate uh, social activities, but also get a little bit more frankly and open with new constructions. Rachel, what's your experience of finding a flat in Berlin? Because I know that you've moved a few times in recent years. That's right, Rach. So I would also second Aaron that now is the most difficult housing market that I've ever seen. I moved here in 2012 and it was said to be a bad situation for flat seekers back then, but it was still very possible to find a place within a couple months of looking. Um, And for my first couple of places that I had in Berlin, since I was moving around every two or three years, um, I didn't really have so much of an issue finding something. It was only in recent years, like with my last apartment, which is luckily a permanent contract where, you know, we were really about to give up after nine months and then managed to get something at the last minute. But even nine months is considered good nowadays. And a lot of people simply never find something or jumping from expensive sublet to expensive sublet and then decide just to give up and leave Berlin. 
Yeah, you do hear that a lot at the moment. Let's hear from Kathleen Parker from Red Tape Translation, which helps foreigners with various bureaucracy in Germany. Kathleen also coaches clients to help them find a place in Berlin. I asked her if her clients are really struggling at the moment to find a flat. Yes. (laughs) When I first started working in relocation, it was about 2012. And there was an apartment shortage then, but that is nothing compared to what is happening right now. It's extremely difficult. And the relocators that I'm in contact with, many of them offer flat search packages. Most of them are booked out until October 2023 and beyond. And they will typically only take on cases if expectations are reasonable and the budget is high enough. So everyone else seems to be left to fend for themselves. And what are the main difficulties that you're seeing that people are struggling with? For example, is it getting a viewing? Is it getting shortlisted? Or what what are you kind of seeing? Well, I guess supply is low, demand is high. That's the main issue. If apartments are advertised on internet portals, the most well-known one being Immobilien Scout 24, then they are typically listed for no more than... 10 minutes or an hour. And once they're taken down, there are bots and applicants who have, well, the the real estate agents will have 200 applicants within 10 to 20 minutes and they'll put it down and they'll select some of the first couple of applicants that they see. So if you are not online at the right time or you haven't figured out a bot to apply for the right place at the right time, then you're too late. That's the biggest issue I'm seeing for people who are doing it themselves, who are trying to find a place themselves. And do you have any tips or advice that you would give people if they are searching for a flat in Berlin or thinking about coming to Berlin to search for a flat? Well, look, if if money is no object, then I would say get someone to do it for you. I don't do it myself at Red Tape Translation, but I am in contact with a lot of relocators who do offer flat search packages and it would just be such a relief of such an enormous amount of stress to just have someone do it for you. And many of them guarantee a certain number of viewings and that itself is a huge struggle to get. So I think it's definitely worth it. If that's not affordable, then, uh, well, I mean, I, I offer a coaching where I tell you how to use the platforms and how to use the bots and give you lots of tips on how to do it yourself. So if, if someone is keen to do it themselves, then I can certainly help. Otherwise, my tip would be to have a ready-to-go application package with all of your documents saved as one PDF and have it ready to go at the blink of an eye so that if the place of your dreams does happen to come up and you do happen to be able to respond quickly, there's no mucking around. You can just have, you know, have it saved on your phone so that you can send it off with one click. That would be my tip. And to have a, an application package with documents in German with all the financials and all of the other things that you need, have it all there all at once. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Kathleen. My pleasure. Do you guys have any other tips for flat hunting in Germany? Well, it's not a task you can do casually anymore. Uh, You can't spend half an hour flat hunting a week and get one easily. Uh, You need to be on top of listings and be aware that a flat might be posted at 10 a.m., the listing might be closed at 10.30 a.m. because of high demand, and as we've just heard from Kathleen, you need to be ready for a 6 p.m. viewing, potentially, and that could very easily all be in the exact same day. 
Um, I've had some friends who've had some success with agents. Pay attention to neighborhood WhatsApp and social media groups. A lot of people will go there first before they post something online to a renter site. Uh, I remember myself. I actually had to find a roommate once. I uh, had one who moved back to Australia, and I had to find a new person. And I remember posting an ad for a flatmate, and I remember how many, just how quickly the emails poured in with a lot of people. I had very quickly had sixty emails, and the people that I invited for viewings were the people that just shared the most information they could uh, about themselves.、Uh, so don't skimp out on info when you're writing these queries. Yeah, and Aaron makes a really good point about being quick and replying. And on that note, I think you have to sign up for a paid Emo Scout account. Nowadays, you're really finding the most listings on there, especially if you're looking for a permanent contract. But a lot of、uh, people who are advertising their flats will just keep the ad up for you know a half hour. I've even heard of five minutes before. And with the paid app, you'll get to alert as soon as a place that meets your criteria comes up, and you can already have the bulk of your information saved. So you can be really quick on sending. All of your details out, even your saved pay slips, and it will maximize your chances. Great. Well, thank you both so much for that. We're going to finish off today chatting about one of our favorite topics: the German language. We're talking about German words with really funny or interesting literal translations. German just describes things really, really well. Sometimes it, it hits the nail on the head, right? Yeah, it's a practical language. A very practical language. So I'm going to start us off today with a few of my favorite German words that are really evocative. Das Zahnfleisch. That is <laughs> translates to tooth flesh or tooth meat. Tooth meat. Of course, gums. <laughs> that is so. That's such a great way of describing gums, right? Another one I love. The naked snake, the naked snail, or indeed the slug. Yeah, the slug. Yeah, it's a, it's a naked snail. Doesn't have a shell to protect them from the salt shaker、There、when you is. find them in your garden, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and one of my favorites, der Dudelsack, which is the bagpipes,、uh, uh, the Scottish instrument. It translates to tooting sack, but I think just Dudelsack just sounds like. What the the sound they make? I think my dad would be amused. Yeah, yeah. yeah you you're, know, say, he, you're Scottish. Yeah,、uh, dad he, would love it. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he he wore he wore kilts to formal events and enjoyed a good, you know, as we say, tooting sack. Yeah, <laughs> <as we> <laughs> <were> <laughs> bagpipes. <laughs> Guys, what have you got? Well, personally, nothing for me quite beats Kumashbek. <laughs> This is a, this is a, this is my favorite one. It literally translates to grief bacon. Such <laughs>、um, a great word. It, it could it be it, it could be pork or bacon, but don't worry, vegetarians and vegans. You can also use the word kumushbek, despite the sort of the literal translation. <laughs>、um, it can be used as an expression to describe more than one thing. So,、uh, you can definitely use it for ice cream. Oh, yeah. uh, for example, basically in English we would say "eat your feelings." Yeah, you know, you've you've had a bad day, something terrible has happened, or whatever, and and you eat your feelings. You buy something to just 
eat, and you can, you know, it can be bacon, but yeah, it can be some ice cream, or it can be some chips, or it can be, you know, chips or crisps or whatever. Generally, it seems to be things that you know are are, are bad for you, that you know yeah. aren't particularly healthy. I comfort, mean, I comfort food. Yeah, I don't know people that you know eat a huge, massive bowl of grapes and say that they're eating kumish back after a bad day. <laughs> That's not something that happens, I suppose. Yeah, but I it, would prefer a tub of <clears throat> Ben and Jerry to be stereotypical here. <laughs> yeah, I probably would too, if I'm honest. You know, good old Hagen does. But uh, the other one um, is one that amuses me certainly uh, at Christmas markets every year. And one of my favorite places, and that's Hanshua. Quite literally, hand shoes. Shoes for your hands. Yes. <laughs> I know. Perfect word for gloves. I Such know, a yeah. Such a cute term. It's, it's a great word for gloves. Um, you know, again, so practical. So practical. Rachel? Yeah, so speaking of animals, I really like the word faltia, which literally translates to lazy animal or slug. Mm -hmm. And you can also use it to describe people as I do myself. Yeah, exactly, as I do myself sometimes on a Sunday, having a faltia type of day. I've known a few faltia in my time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a it's a great it's a great word for sloth, isn't it? Sloth, yeah. It really is. And then this one isn't quite as cute, but I like the word klobrida or toilet glasses or literally toilet <laughs> seat, uh, which I find to be a more elegant way of describing what we commonly use multiple times a day. <laughs> wow. Glasses for your toilet. <laughs> Very nice. I mean, if you need a new one, I mean, it's a nice way to describe it if you go to the shop and <laughs> like glasses for my toilet. <laughs> oh, dear sirs, I'm looking for Clobrida. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you to all our listeners. And as always, we'll add the links in the show notes for the stories we've been talking about. And please leave a review or a rating wherever you listen to your podcast, especially if you enjoyed our, our episode. This week's panelists have been Rachel Stern and Aaron Burnett. Our guests were Thomas Byerly and Kathleen Parker. And our sound engineer is Reese Edwards. We hope you enjoyed listening and we will be back again next week. Until then, take care. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.